Hello, everybody. Welcome to Working Title, brought to you by Soul. Working Title is a multi-segment podcast for the Black LGBTQ community. The first segment, or first six episodes, are dedicated to the L word. We are your hosts, Robbie and Nick here. And our first episode is about masculinity in the lesbian community. So today we are going to talk to you about the culture and the construct of masculinity among lesbian women. So my story, I'm a feminine presenting woman and um, I was dating a masculine presenting woman, which is usually the type that I date. And um, I later found out that she wore makeup and it was a big, a huge turnoff for me. And now that I sit back and think about it, I realize how without even knowing it, I had my own biases and standards for what being a masculine presenting lesbian is supposed to mean and what it's supposed to look like. I didn't bring it up to her, but it was, I started to pay more attention to her face and realize like, yeah, she is wearing foundation. And I kind of just like fell back after that. Yeah. So, uh, it's hilarious how you automatically go into, oh, am I shallow? I mean, for me, it's just like you like what you like, right? So I don't care how good your personality is. Um, if your voice is deeper than mine, <laughs> if you like to wear fitteds every day, it's just probably not going to work out, right? Yeah. Um, if you want to do certain things in the bedroom, like it's just probably not going to work out. I think people like what they like, and I think everybody's entitled to that. So when we first started, um, just talked about the construct of masculinity and gender as a whole. So we have to know that although we all individually identify in a certain way, it has a lot to do with our environment, our culture, and we are socially identifying before we even individually make a statement. So the question is, when it comes to gender, is who you are, how does it affect your behavior, your presentation, your expectations? Um, there are so many layers to it. So in the lesbian community, we're like a subculture of the bigger culture, right, of the American culture. And when we think about American culture, I mean, shit, that's just based off white patriarchy. So us as black women loving other women, it's kind of like, dang, like, what do we believe? Whose agenda are we on? When you get down to it, though, everybody has to ask themselves a question like, do I like that shit or no? Like, if you like it, stick with it. If you really don't like it and you think you're supposed to like it because you look a certain way or that person looks a certain way, then that's something altogether different. When you really get into it with people and talking about how they choose to identify, not everyone is uh, comfortable with, I guess, labeling themselves as masculine identifying or, or feminine identifying. Everyone has the things that they are attracted to and what they aren't attracted to, and we all have... Preferences. Preferences, and the reasons why we do what we do, why we wear what we wear, why we like what we like. Just like you were saying that story about um, how you were dressed one time when you were younger and you started changing how you dressed. Oh, okay, so I first... Um Okay, so let's rewind. So I was in college, um, and I remember being uh, 19, right? So I'm on Black Planet, right? That's a throwback. <laughs> so you're 20-something. That's probably have no idea, right? Black you Planet. just know POF and I don't know. What is it? Oh, the Her app. 
So Black Planet was like this place where, you know, you can meet and mingle, whether you were getting friends or you were getting dates. So I remember like just having this idea, like a light bulb, like, oh, I'm going to identify as bisexual, right? So I actually meet my first girlfriend on there. Um, but long story short, I had a roommate in college who was gay as hell, like never had a boyfriend, um, you know, didn't look feminine at all in her presentation, yet wasn't out. Yeah, right. So <laughs> we had went down to the strip here in Philly where, you know, all the lesbos and gay men hang out. And I remember being down there. I had on um, like feminine cut jeans, a white T-shirt, like a regular white tee and a track jacket and some sneaks. Right. So I'm not like ultra feminine. I'm not ultra masculine. Like I'm just chilling. And at the time I had long permed hair. So I just peeped how all these like masculine presenting women were looking at me and it was just like, oh no, this shit got to change. <laughs> like <laughs> this is not who Pineapples. I want. Yeah, like this is not who I want to attract. Like something is off here. Like either the message that I'm sending is um not correct. <laughs> They're not receiving it well. Like something is off. So for me, I remember consciously thinking like I want to dress how I really feel, and I want to present um, based on who I want to attract. Of course, there were feminine women um, attracting other feminine women. However, like I said, what I had on a white t-shirt and track jacket, I was never that feminine. So for me, I already knew, like for me, loving women, starting to date women, that I was attracted to a more feminine presenting woman in every aspect of that. So... All I did was get some bigger jeans um, and maybe I threw on a fitted, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the, the same outfit, <laughs> the same layout. Tweak your presentation a little bit. Yeah, like I, I wanted my presentation to match how I felt on the inside. And then a further step, I wanted my presentation to match who I wanted to attract. Right. So for me, complimentary meant that we had to be opposite in some way. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't necessarily want to date another woman that just wore track jackets and white t-shirts. So it's like this concept of was I not being authentic because I switched the pitch or was I really discovering who I was? And then I became um, a part of this subculture, right? Uh, Lesbian life. And then I saw like, oh, some people dress like this and some people dress like this. Pick a side. And I picked my side. Mm -hmm. And for me, because I was always told I was a tomboy when I wanted sneakers, why you want those sneaks? Those are boys. Why are you wearing your hair like that? Why don't you wear curls a little more? You know, so for me, I never fit into the real feminine construct. So when I realized, like, this shit is a real thing among lesbianism, and I, I'm not trying to be on that side. Right. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I started to dress and present as I really felt. And there I felt like, oh, this makes sense. Like, there is an actual place. Like, going a little deeper in the subject, there are, like, throughout different cultures where masculinity and femininity kind of intersect, and it's it's something that we've sort of abandoned, and I think we're starting, we're trying to get back to that, where gender is is more fluid. Well, I just want to piggyback off what you said in regards to, like, um, across different cultures, and historically, what it means to be masculine, um... There are differences, right? It can change. It can be more fluid. So you have, like, the Navajo Native Americans who, like, honored the two-spirit people. They would call them, like, the masculine woman or the feminine man. 
And these people were revered as like um, the gifted ones, right? They were um, revered as like celestial beings yeah, like because oracles. they kind of had, yeah, like oracles. They were like the best of both worlds and they could carry on um, a relationship and raise a family without it being something that was going to be, um, they were going to be ostracized for. So I don't feel like anyone is always right or wrong. This is my thing. Whatever you feel like, you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be masculine presenting one day and feel like you do want to beat your face. Like, do I want to date you? No, <laughs> <laughs> but but you can do that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Robbie doesn't want to date you either, but do that. Yeah. Like, I'm more so for authenticity. Right. And, and let's just get down to the real conversation of it and be honest about this shit. I don't care how liberated you are. You have some social constructs going on yes. when it comes to your gender, when mm-hmm. it comes to your sexuality, your religion, all these different things. Um, we have so many influences that we sometimes don't sift out and we don't even realize that we're just a, a walking robot of whatever station we watch all the time or listen to. So this conversation is not just for the purpose of, you know, being funny or just for a hearsay, but it's really to get people to think and realize about the um, normatives, the constructs that exist in their lives, and to really get down to authenticity, mm-hmm. right? And to have a very real conversation about it. Um, Nigerian nomadic tribe, they wear makeup and they dance and they wear jewelry, and they do it purposely to like attract single women. And like how they look is to show off that, like how virile they are. Right. So this is like where it shows that in different cultures, there are different ideals and there's a different construct for what it means to be masculine. And then um, you have like in another tribe in Kenya, like the Nandi people, they have female husbands. So you have a woman that is likely already married to a man, but like she can take on a wife. And once she has that wife, she no longer does like the quote-unquote, feminine household duties. Now, she'll, like, entertain with her friends, and that wife will prepare the food, come like and serve. boss. Uh, here you go. <laughs> come and serve her. She's no longer carrying the baskets on her head and, and doing these things that are traditional of that um, culture for African women. So it's, like, really interesting when you look into different cultures of how masculinity and femininity is um, defined. And how it's portrayed and how it's presented and how it looks. So I just wanted to give you those little bit, did you know, mm-hmm. right, before we um, sign oh, off. Well, before we continue the conversation with our guests. Hi, my name is Christina. Um, I go by Chris and I'm 29 years old. Thank you for joining us on our episode for masculinity. And um, so... Oh, Nick has a question for you. The okay. First question. So we had um, a few people take surveys around the topic of masculinity. So just to clear the air, how do you identify? Do you identify as a masculine presenting lesbian, feminine, andro? How do you identify in your own words, however you want to? You know what? That's uh, I identify as me. Um, and, and, and I think that's the best way I can put it. There are days when I am in dress shoes, slacks, and a blazer. And then there are days when I'm going somewhere and I will put on a gown. So mm-hmm. I just identify as me. Um, but I'm, I would say more often than not, I dress a little bit more on the masculine side. 
Okay. Okay. And so one thing that we've been curious about, like asking folks is, have you ever felt um, not masculine enough when it comes to like relationships? No, actually, I, I've never really felt like I wasn't masculine enough. I felt like for the most part that I was treated a little bit too masculine. Like there were these expectations Mm -hmm. on me to be more masculine, Um, but I've never felt like I wasn't masculine enough. Okay. So can you, can you go into detail about um, some examples of how, of the things that um, partners have expected? So my last partner, um, she would make comments to the extent of, oh, Chris, you know, if I put on like short shorts or something, I believe I have really nice legs and I like to show them off. And so she'd be like, no, you know, you can't wear that. Why? And she'd be like, well, because you look better than those in, in, than I do. I was just like, okay, like you want me to wear no. So things like that happened. And if we're going out to something formal, then she'd be like, I'm not allowed to, like wear something similar to what she's wearing. I needed to be, to present myself as the masculine partner in our relationship. Things like that. So that kind of ties into this idea of um, females, women um, having competition. And that the feminine privilege yeah, the feminine privilege would be that they have to be the center of attention. Yeah, that's true. And I think that yeah. is so sad because at the end of the day, I want my partner to look at me and, and, and for her to be like, hey, you are my queen. And me in the same way, you are my, we are both queens. There's, there is no, we're women. You know what I mean? I just, I don't, I, I never appreciated that. I don't appreciate that in the, in the lesbian community period at all. Now, how somebody wants to identify is definitely up to them, but it's not for anybody else to determine what they should or should not identify as. My identity is mine and not for you to determine. Definitely. So just to piggyback off of that. Um, hold on, let's make sure we're not getting that feedback. Oh, uh, are you hearing the feedback when you're no, in? No, I'm, I'm hearing you guys nice and clear. Okay. So um, just to clear, just not to clarify, just to uh, piggyback off of what you said about um, in the community that people feel they, the need to put others in boxes and um, have this standard in their mind that they impose on other people. So um, how... Has do you think that your background has anything to do with like how you present and how you're like um, you present yourself as you know fluid? Can we clarify the the um, background? Yeah, oh okay. yeah, so let's tell us about like a little bit about your background because I know, but everyone okay. else knows. So <laughs> I was um, background wise born and raised in Jamaica, um, which is very anti gay. You guys, uh, well, Robin, you probably know this. Um, and while I was in Jamaica, I was more on the masculine side. So I used to like, I I was a ball player. Um, so shorts, t-shirts, you know, the whole nine yards. So that's kind of my background. It's more of a masculine background. Um, went to an all girls school and then I, I I moved to the U S when I was a teenager. 
Um, and still, even through college, as I did athletics, you know, I was always just a more on the masculine side. Um, but I found that as I grew older, that I wasn't doing it for me. I wasn't that way because I mean, I was that way because this is what lesbians looks like. And so right. I started to identify that, that, that attitude and that sense of dress with what um, I thought a lesbian should look like. And, and I said to myself, as I started getting a little wiser, Christina, you are a lesbian and whatever you wear is what a lesbian wears. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, and as I grew older, I started to um, break away from this, putting myself in what, what, what does a lesbian look like? A lesbian looks like whatever a lesbian is. You know what I mean? So I've now, I've just identified as lesbian. That's it. Um, there is no, I, I'd rather stay fluid than to put myself back in this, in this box. Because whenever I step out of the box, then again, in the community, I get chastised because now I've taken the label off me that you've put on me and you're not comfortable with that. So I'd rather stay out of the box and stay away from the label. Yeah, so you're touching upon um, the bigger issue of why we chose this topic, um, just because that it is a social construct. However, as individuals, we do find ourselves adhering to it at different points in our lives for different reasons. So besides the physical dress of what masculinity may or may not be, what do you think are some of your personal attributes that you feel Ah, maybe that is a little masculine in my presentation. Um, I, I would say it's my, it would be more so my, my attitude towards things. Um, right. Let's say for instance, a job application, a man will look at a job application and he'll see four criteria and he'll only qualify for one, but he'll go ahead and apply anyway. A woman will do the same thing, right? And she'll see one thing on there that she cannot do. And she won't apply. Statistically, it's, it's, it's been proven, right? I'm, I am definitely not that type of person. I could see one or I could see nothing on there that I qualify for, but I know I can learn it. And so I, and I want the job, so I'm going to apply. So I think it's more of that type of attitude. My, I am a woman of action. Um, and so in all my relationships, I believe that, you know, if I say this is, this is going to get done, it's going to get done. Now I'm not, I wouldn't necessarily call myself dominant. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself dominant, but if this is what we agree on, then I'm going to go forward and I'm going to make sure that it happens. So I think that's how I fall. I would say I fall into the more masculine um, persona because I am, I'm, I, I like to take action. I'm just that person. Yeah. And I, and I, do, I like how you, um, differentiate masculinity from dominance because I think a lot of a lot of times in our community we we attribute both to being you know the same thing yeah so um and I think it's important for people to understand that they're not they're two totally different things and so um it it all comes from how we're raised what we internalize what we kind of um what we what we choose to adhere to because of what society has told us. So I, I thought we both thought it was very important to have this conversation and just to get people thinking outside the box. And it's great that you 
you, you know, think the way that you do. And because a lot of, a lot of times it's like in our community, we, we want so badly to be, to find some, yeah, to be included and to find a way to describe who we are and normalize it. But instead it's just about just being, which is what our community was supposed to, you know, what's how it started. It's just, you know, so now it's like, you know, yeah. we're just putting everybody, everyone's putting themselves into boxes when really that's the, that's the exact opposite of what the entire LGBT movement started out at. Absolutely. Um, I, one of the things though, that I think is important, um, guys, is that we have to also understand that the heterosexuality and, and those kind of behaviors are, what was perceived to be normal. Now we can sit here and we can acknowledge that the fact that what is normal, you know, depends on the individual, depends on the environment, depends on stimulus, right? There is nothing that is absolutely normal for everybody. And we can acknowledge that. But when you take, you know, people who were subjected to this kind of oppression and afraid to express themselves and they start coming out, they're so accustomed to these heterosexual behaviors that this is how they then build and structure their own relationships because they, they, that's what they've been exposed to. So now I think the thing is that they need to start breaking out of that and just be themselves. They want, they're fighting to be themselves, but they're not actually acting like themselves right now. They're acting like what they have grown accustomed to. Yeah. So two uh, great points you brought up. There's a beautiful playwright by the name of uh, Donye Love from Philadelphia. Uh, and during one of his plays, he had a line that said, uh, normalcy is what you create. And I've always uh, loved that since I've heard that. And it's been a way of life. And right now we're in this era of the Black Panther movie as a movement. And some people are like, what is the big deal? And it's kind of just what, like you said, to be represented um, to have that exposure of what is your truth is such a celebratory and freeing moment to see. And the reality of it is we do adhere to this heterosexual normative, but that's all we see. Right. And then we have a time to step back and just look at, well, how did I really see it? Cause people automatically assume lesbians that especially present in a more masculine way, want to be men. And it's not the truth. Um, you being of Jamaican descent is probably just a part of you seeing strong women around you. Me being African-American descent is me seeing my mother. I have no idea what it looks like to be a man up front, up close, yeah. you know? So all the characteristics that I have, a lot of my ways, I get it from my mama. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, so so this normalcy um, that we speak of in this group thought is, is really just a facade and based off the representation that's shoved in our faces from media, you know, um, and all the other. I find, but uh, continue, go ahead. No, 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 it's just normalcy is definitely what we create. No, I definitely, I definitely agree with you but we will always read that you know human beings are creatures of habit and i find that so many people are afraid Mm -hmm. to break even the own habits that they have and what's so sad about habits is that half the time we inherit them we never chose them for ourselves for instance 
going to church. If you weren't born into a family where they took you to church every Sunday and then they fed you this religion that you didn't choose, you never had the option, right? You didn't even understand it. And you that's, what, that's just what you do. So now you've inherited this religion. You've inherited going to church every Sunday, but you were never given the opportunity to choose. You know what I mean? And so that becomes normal for you. And, and, and a lot mm-hmm. of people don't think like that. I, I, I want my truth to be, to be mine. I want it to, to um, if it's going to be true, it has to be applicable to everything and everyone. And so if my religion or the, 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 the morality that governs who I am doesn't apply to everybody, cannot be um, experienced by everybody, then what I'm doing cannot, I believe that it can't be true. So that's just my personal, personal thing that we cannot just be living these inherited truths, these inherited lives. And then, you know, we take it over into our relationships. Now I want my spouse to go to church. Now I want my girlfriend to go to church or whatever the case might be. Eat at this restaurant, um, walk this way, talk this way when that's not that's not what we signed up for. You know, what I mean, so. <laughs> And so how has, how has your, um, your experiences with your relationships, um, has it helped you realize more or like shape, not shape, but realize exactly what your perception or what your opinions on masculinity are, or was it just something you've always, um, my, my relationships definitely played a role in that. Absolutely. For instance, my last relationship, um, my partner had a mental disorder and I had to take a class in order to learn how to, to communicate. Now, again, with my background, we're masculine, masculine presenting women are, they're kind of hard. They're kind of, um, they're not very expressive with their emotions and stuff like that. And I had to learn that in order to communicate more effectively with my partner because she had a mental disorder and I need to do my part to make the relationship work. Now, that relationship has ended, but those skills that I've learned, that I've picked up, I, I, I keep and I apply it and, and it's become a part of me. So that in relation to my masculinity, a lot of people would be like, well, that doesn't make you very masculine. Why? Why does it not? I'm doing everything I can to help my relationship and my partner. Isn't that what we should do in relationships. Um, so I feel like they definitely have, they have um, helped me to be a better me and a better partner. Um, even as it relates to my masculinity, to be a softer masculine woman. And I, and I also, it's great to hear you say that because I also feel that um, in our community, the things that people point out as, being not as not being masculine enough or you need to do this and act this way. Most of the things that people point out are, um, shadowing toxic masculinity in, in heteronormative standards. Like it's never, it's never like a, not never, but most times it's not like, Oh, I don't, yeah, chivalry or you don't protect me. It's more like, Oh, I want you to dress this way. I want you to smack my ass. You know what I mean? Like it's, Stuff that is toxic, toxic masculinity that we 
that it's it's odd because we're we're two women so it's like why would you want that but it's like it's weird because I even find myself um in my past relationships kind of looking for that as well but then when I sit back and it's just like okay do I is this really what I want or is this just what I've been fed and believe is what I should have you know so it's definitely interesting so as you evolve in your um, understanding of your own fluidity, um, just of how your gender presentation, do you feel like your choice and partners absolutely, have changed? Absolutely changed. Um, like right now I'm interested in this, in this lady. And I told, I was literally saying this to her yesterday. You're so not what I would typically go for. And it wasn't meant mm-hmm. to offend her. And we, we have a different love language. Um, and she goes, why do you say that? And I said, well, before when I used to present as ultra masculine, I mean, like I was built in everything. Um, I would prefer a more softer woman, a more, um, for lack of a better term, submissive woman, um, a woman who would she, she, she could speak her mind or whatever the case might be. But like, I would be like, okay, that's the end of conversation. That was it. And that was my preference. Like if I didn't have the final say, then you and I couldn't be together. And I guess that played into a lot of my, my insecurities at the time. But now she goes toe to toe with me. And there's something that is so beautiful and so sexy about that, that she can stand on her own. And I am confident in that. And so how, you know, that for me is very attractive now. Awesome. So do you have any more questions? No, no. Yeah, I think we've got a lot of info. This is a great interview. I mean, um, do you have anything? I know that you do. You started doing your um, your YouTube videos. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that? So like I previously said, I was born and raised in Jamaica and um, I started an advocacy channel on YouTube called Unapologetic. And what I wanted to do was, you know, you've had several international news entities cover just the, the hatred in Jamaica towards the gay men. And I think because that happens, nobody anticipates that the, the gay woman in Jamaica, the lesbians in Jamaica don't experience the oppression, don't experience the violence and all of that. And so my channel is aimed at shining light on the lesbian experience um, in Jamaica by sharing right now, I'm just sharing my personal story. I have several people that want to come on and share their story, but for now it's just my personal experience. And I want to show people this because not only was I a scholar, I competed for Jamaica, um, in several different sports. I, you know, so it's, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily say that I am, I've, I've experienced so much that I can speak for a broad array of people. And I want to, to make that, that clear. I can speak for the person who grew up in the inner city because I grew up in the inner city. I can speak for those athletes who can't express themselves because they're, they're, they're the faces of Jamaican athletics. I, so I want to be the face for those people through sharing my own story. Um, awesome. So, um, I don't know why this is yeah, so so people can just find you on YouTube as um under unapologetic or is there a particular um like uh ha- not hashtag but is there a particular Street. thing that people um, should search for when looking for your page? 
you search unapologetic and you don't see my beautiful face pop up immediately, you can go um, unapologetic and then put the Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. And you should definitely get my most latest episode um, that I just posted this past Sunday. It's a bi-weekly posting. Um, so it's not it's not an everyday thing. It's not an every week thing. It's definitely bi-weekly. So you have time to catch up. So in certain cultures, you have this thing as, as being like a part of reality and normal, right? So what creates normalcy? And I think that's what we're really talking about when it comes to masculinity. Like, what is a normal masculine presenting woman, right? In all aspects, not in just how she dresses, but in how she talks, how she treats uh, other people, how she relates to other people, and how she describes describes herself. Like, there's so many layers to it. And we have to realize that when we have constructed this ideal of it, we got the idea from our current culture. You know, and, and it starts before you are even born with, it's a boy, Blue, it's a girl, pink, right? So either you're going along with that normative or you're the one that's rebelling against it. Thank you for tuning in to Working Title, brought to you by Soul, connecting, educating, and inspiring the Black LGBT community. Join us for the next segment on feminine privilege. This is Nick and Robbie signing, signing out. out.